Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Great. Please, um, some of the slide uh, information will be a little small, uh, so please forgive me. I'm a teacher. <laughs> Can't get away from it. I'm doing this for those folks who are here. Thank you for keeping the house lights down. I appreciate it because it'll... Um, uh, help you see what's on the content a little easier. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to be in the flow of following up with what we've been talking about with Joseph. And the message this morning uh, really is a question. And that's what you've been, you've been saying you understand, you believe. But here's the question. What do you really believe about God? The, the story of Joseph is not so much about Joseph. Joseph did this, so we should do that. Joseph found this, so we should find that. It's really framing what we think about God. Because the story of the Bible is the story about God. It's about God introducing man into a relationship, desiring a relationship with mankind. And man saying, you know what? I've got a better offer. Not realizing the consequences of that. And then it's really the story. If you believe that God has designed us to have an opportunity to be in eternal relationship with God, then the story of the Bible is about God working behind the scenes to work out His perfect plan in our lives. I'm, ready to, I'm just ready to cry just thinking about this. All that God has done to get us to this point. There's a glorious end that we are coming up to, and we, we lose sight of it. There's a race we're ready to finish, and we instead take the pit stop and say, oh, I think I'm just going to kind of camp out here. And we don't want to do that. It's a, tough, it's a tough road. We've seen Joseph, who has been maligned by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, and then he finally has an opportunity to use the gifts that he has, and God tests his integrity and says, do you really uh, believe in me in the sense that can you operate and perfectly uh, with, with fidelity, uh, knowing the things that you know, having uh, the evidence, it says, and we'll see that today, that I am with you. Everyone sees it in his life. Can you act with integrity, right? That's a, that's a challenge for all of us. Can we live with integrity knowing that people look at us? The things that we do, right? We used to say, your children more attention pay to what you do than what you say. And that's Joseph's life. So his integrity is challenged. God says, I'm gonna, first, I'm going to test your integrity. And so if it's not bad enough that my brothers hate me, My father wonders what I'm talking about with my dreams. I'm thrown into a pit. I'm sold into slavery. Now I'm accused of something I haven't done. And then I find myself in prison. So God says, now I want to test your faith. How's that for you, brother? Okay? The problem is we can read chapter 41. Okay? We're going to be in chapter 40 today. We can see chapter 41. We can see that Joseph passes the test. We can't see chapter 41 in our own lives, okay? But that is exactly what God is forming in you. God knows chapter 41 in your life. God knows chapter 45, that you are going to find a place where he's going to use you mightily. God knows chapter 50 in your life, where Joseph said, what you uh, thought was evil, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. So in the middle of that, we have to trust in him. 
But it, it requires us to go back and consider what we believe about God. What do you believe about God today? And God's perfect plan. What do you believe? Don't let me put words in your mouth. I want you to tell me what do you think. Is God's plan good? Is God's plan wise? Okay. Is God always working for redemption in your life? Do you believe that? Then whatever you're walking through right now, it's not about you. Read uh, the, the purpose-driven life, right? First chapter. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about what God is doing. And he's bringing you along for the ride. Aren't you excited? We're going for a ride. And God's driving. Who said it this morning? Jen said it, right? God's in charge, right? Right? Well, that's what we said. Uh, Lion of Judah. Um, uh, our, uh, I can't think of the, the term. It's, it's God who is fighting our battles. It is God who is out before us, okay? Um, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, but God is leading, and I'm following him. Come on, where are you guys? Wake up, right? This is good stuff. Not because it's me, but because it's God. What do you believe about God today? Go to the first slide here, okay? If you're having a bad day, you can go to Tiny Buddha, and Tiny Buddha will encourage you. This is how Tiny Buddha encourages you. Give somebody a hug. Take a bath. You're having a bad day. Take, most of you probably need a bath, but um, breathe deeply. Give a little bit, okay? Call a friend, right? That's what Tiny Buddha says, okay? How long is that going to last you for? How long can you take a bath for? Well, you know, if you're having a really bad day, you can stay in there for a couple hours. You come out looking like a raisin, but you can really have uh, some good time in it. But, but then when you get out of the tub and dry off, guess what? The bad day's still there, okay? So what do you really believe about God, Okay? I, I was just thinking this morning before I came up, thinking about Peter and thinking I was in Israel. And when you're in Israel, you know, it's like when I grew up as a kid in New Jersey, George Washington slept here. You know, everywhere you went, you know, George Washington slept. So uh, everybody's hanging a sign out and they're selling George Washington stuff. You know, we're in Israel and we're at the spot. They say it was the spot where, uh, where Peter uh, came out after fishing, John 21, and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? This just goes back to what I was saying. Peter, I know you failed me before, but are you going to trust me? What do you believe about me, Peter? Because I got big plans for you, buddy. I just need to know if you're buying into it. I'm going to work my perfect plan out in your life. See, what's amazing is God already knows what he's going to do, and he's moving ahead to accomplish this plan, and then he says, how would you like to come along and be part of that? We can be part of God's means to his end. And God chose Joseph to be part of that. Let's take a look. Let's go to the first slide. Okay, this is the end of 39. What happened? We read last week, Pastor John talked about it, Joseph and Potiphar's house. Okay, I use pot instead. For those of you who are from Colorado, this is not about what you think it's about, okay? All right. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. Now, he had every right, Joseph's master, to have him executed. The, um, the penalty for uh, catching someone in adultery was death, okay? He was the captain of uh, Pharaoh's guard. He could have easily had him put to death, but he didn't. Not only did he not have him put to death, we'll see later on what uh, Potiphar decides to do with Joseph, okay? He took him and he put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. A lot of information that we're getting. The title of this message is, What Do We See and What Don't We See in Terms of What God is Working On? And so you're going to see, I, what I've done is I've identified what we see 
in this passage, but then what God may be working on behind the scenes. But the Lord was with Joseph, verse 21, and showed him steadfast love. That's an important phrase, and I'll show you that later on. Showed him this loving kindness and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. That's amazing. Let me go back to, okay. Um, The Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. The Lord made it succeed. What do you believe about God? Let's see what's happening here. Potiphar, who's the captain of the guard, put Joseph in prison. He didn't have him killed. God has saved his life because God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Say, God has a purpose for my life. I don't see exactly what it is, but God is working out his perfect plan in my life, and I want to be part of it. I want to hold on and trust that God is working out his plan. Even though I denied him three times, he sat me down by the fire and he said, I've still got a place for you. I don't care how many times you failed. I'm going to use you. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? Yes, I'm going to trust you, Lord. The Lord was with Joseph. It says it twice here. And everyone sees it. Okay? Why? I've been, I've been beat down. I've been falsely accused. Now I'm in prison. I should be feeling sorry for myself, shouldn't I? But you know what? We'll see later on. Even Joseph saw that God was with him. You know what? You may not see it, but I know that God is with you. If I spent time with you, I'm sure I would see it. You need to look in the mirror once in a while and see that God is with you. God has spared you. He has blessed you. You live in a place where you can exercise your free, your freedom to worship, okay? You may not like the knuckleheads who are in charge of this, this country or whatever you think, okay? But God has blessed us abundantly over many people. We have much. We're not sleeping on the street. We have many things that God is doing in our life. We have people that love us. We have... Uh, we have wealth. We have some things that some people will never have or see. We are ab- above, above all people, very blessed with all that we have. God is with us, okay? What don't we see? Where did these skills come from? Joseph goes to Potiphar's house, and he's running the whole thing. He's here in the jail, and he's running the whole thing. Uh, we may have to assume that somewhere in this process, because God was with him, God allowed him, enabled him to learn some of these administrative skills. But these are formulative, right? These are important because ultimately Joseph is going to be in charge of bigger things, right? What does it say in the Scripture? If I give you little things and you can be faithful in those little things, I'm going to give you a little bit more. Are you faithful with those things that God has given to you? Because God wants to nurture them and he wants to grow them because he's got big plans for you if you'll just hold on and wait, okay? Okay? What does God's steadfast love look like? Isn't it amazing? People saw, where is it, back in verse uh, 21, right? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love, loving kindness. What does that look like? Everyone sees it. Do you see it? Do you see God's steadfast love in your life? you see how much he cares about you? How much he's nurtured you? How much he wants to draw close to you? We have the time. We, ha- we have the opportunity to draw near to him. There was a little book when I got saved. Um, through InterVarsity. They had a little book they used to call My Heart, Christ Home. You ever see that? Just a cute little devotional book, and it talks about how God wants to have that time with us. He wants to dwell with us. He just wants to sit with us and enjoy us, and, and we want to be in His presence. There's so much 
from that presence. The Scripture says, in His presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is, everything else lets us down. Nothing else satisfies us. But if we could get into His presence and enjoy His presence, His steadfast love, there's so much there. Uh, what do you believe about a God who allows an innocent man to be sold into slavery and put into prison? Okay, this is what we're talking about. What is your view of God and God at work? Are you just focused on the moment and the momentary afflictions which are working out the Scriptures as an exceeding weight of glory, right? Let's go to the next one. Where am I? How come I can't get this to move? That's what happens when you do this on your phone. There you go. 40, please. There you go. Sometime after this. Now, let's frame this, okay? We will find out later on that Joseph... Uh, is 30 years old when he's established in, uh, into service in Pharaoh's kingdom, okay? We know he was sold into slavery when he was 17. So there's 13 years there, right? Uh, it is said after, at the end of this passage, that the cupbearer forgets about him for two years. So he's somewhere, he's been through Potiphar's house, spent time there, and now he's in his mid to late 20s in prison, no idea what God is at work doing, but faithfully serving God, okay? Sometime after this, cupbearer the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, chief cupbearer and the chief baker. Interesting, in two verses, we get them mentioned two times. Why do you think that is? I don't really know why that is, but uh, because they're mentioned twice. Well, I don't know. It looks, they're up, it's up there twice. Why does he have to say it twice? I don't know. You, your guess is as good as mine. Um, but we do see the second time, in the second time it mentions that they are chief. Hopefully I won't knock this over. It says they're chief, okay? So they're in a senior leadership role. They're not just, you know, my slave, you know, a few steps down the line who tastes my food or taste my drink or something like that. These guys are head guys. Why is that important? Because what prison do they wind up in? The prison of the chief of the guard of Pharaoh's guard. They wind up in the same prison that Joseph found himself in. Of all the places that Joseph could have been sold into slavery, he sold into slavery in the house of the chief of the guard. And the chief of the guard does not have him executed when he's accused by the wife, but instead puts him in the prison of Pharaoh, where Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and baker wind up. See that? See what God is doing? Have you ever seen that? Taking the time sometimes when we're in the midst of difficulties in our own life, seeing, hey, isn't it interesting how God kind of worked that up? Boy, that really stunk there, but wow, I never realized that. You know, and all of a sudden I make a connection. Isn't that amazing? And that encourages you until you hit the bumps again, right? Read chapter 41. Read chapter 41 in your life. Say to yourself today, God, when I get home today, when I leave here today, I'm going to start reading chapter 41 and 42 in my own life, knowing that you who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen? I feel like I'm forcing you to get here. Um, come on, you can do it. All right, let's go back. Okay, so what? Uh, let's finish this. Uh, verse 3, and he put them in custody of the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. Now look at this. Potiphar is the captain of the guard, right? Pot. Again, if you're from Colorado, not, not what you're thinking. Uh, the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them. Potiphar, whose wife called Joseph out and accused him of something, 
who could have had him killed, instead puts him in prison, and then says, I want you to minister to these guys. Isn't that incredible? Okay, why? Because God was with Joseph. Potiphar knew it, and we're going to see that Joseph knew it too in a couple minutes, okay? The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. Joseph could have felt sorry for himself. He could have said, look, this really stinks. I'm not doing that. What do you mean? What are you asking me to serve them for? He is faithful in the situation in which he finds himself, okay? Uh, I don't know why this is doing that, so let's get out of there. Uh, Cupbearer and Baker in prison. It's the captain of the guard. Potiphar assigns Joseph to be with them, and he is faithful to take care of them. Why is it mentioned twice? I said two officers, I guess. Um, in verse 4b, for some time, we don't know. We talked about how long it is. So there's some things we don't exactly get here and fully understand, okay? No mention of time with Potiphar, but it says that Joseph became successful. So God is using the time in Potiphar's house for him to master these skills. He's in a very key role in the house. Not only is he managing the household, he's managing the household for the chief of the guard, okay? So it's not like, you know, some, some people, um, when Jesus tells the parable of the talents, which to me represents spiritual blessing for the gifts God gives to us because in Matthew 25, 16, it says talents were given according to their abilities, okay? So Joseph is given max talents, right? Because now he's in a max position in the house of the chief of the guard, in the, in not only in the house, but then in the prison there, okay? So he's using what he's been given, and he's using, and he maybe knows these guys. He may meet some of these people because he's in those circles, uh, and God is going to use that, okay? Uh, let's see. Okay, let me go back to this. So there's no mention of this time. How much time does God need to form the second greatest leader in Egypt? How much time did it take with Moses to form Moses? And Moses grew up in the household of Pharaoh. But how much time, how much time does God need to form you? Ooh, ow, that hurt, right? It did because, it, you know, I thought I was ready. Years ago, I thought I was ready certain roles. I think I'm ready for this, and I think I'm ready for that. And I found out that, you know, I may have thought I was ready, but I wasn't ready, and God showed me that in embarrassing and hurtful, <laughs> difficult ways, okay? So then when the opportunity came back around, I said, okay, well, if this is really what you want me to do, I'll do this. I didn't plan on being in the role that I'm in today. God planned on it, but he prepared me, I believe, so that I could be ready, so that I could be a better servant in this role than I was when I ascribed for it. Does that make sense? Um, and I'm grateful for that. So let's keep going here, Don. And one night, they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker, each his own dream, each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. Now that word is the same word that's used in Jonah. When Jonah's in the boat and the boat's doing this, it says the sea was troubled. So this isn't like, oh my, I had a dream. This is like a violent, disturbing dream, okay? Like, whoa, what is that about, okay? It's the same word that's used of Uzziah when he throws a fit over some things. That I don't remember exactly what happened, but he's enraged. Same word. So, you know, maybe, maybe it should have been obvious with most people, but just, oh, it seems like you're troubled. <laughs> yeah, I had a really bad dream. Um, okay, so he asks Pharaoh's officers, 
who were with him in custody, his message, why are you facing soundcasts? They told him, we have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. Now, one of the things that we don't see is that they were very, very big on dream interpretation. It was really important. Another thing we don't see here is that up to this point in Genesis, anytime anybody talks about a dream, the dreams come from God. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that every dream that you have comes from God. Okay? Although I have a dream that I got from God, and I got the fulfillment right there. It's true. Um, it's very true. Uh, so, but this is really keen. This is really interesting um, in verse 8, second half of verse 8, okay? Joseph says two things in succession which are very unusual, okay, because he's really trusting the Lord. He says, do not interpretations come from God and let me know what the dream, uh, tell me what the dream is, okay? Unlike Daniel, when Daniel interpreted, interpreted dreams, Daniel had a prayer. Now, of course, the first time with Daniel, uh, he, the, the king said, well, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. So you're going to not only have to guess what it is, but you're going to have to interpret it, all right? Uh, but there are often times when dream interpretation is met with some prayer and things like that. Joseph just walks right, he steps right into that gift, okay? Which is really interesting because you could ask the question, what about Joseph's own dreams, which he had when he was 17? Hey, I can read your dreams. I can understand your dreams. But man, these things that God did in my life, I still haven't seen them yet. So where's the faith? If I can interpret these dreams and I believe that these dreams that I have had are from God, then I have to be patient and trust that God is going to do this or God is going to choose to do something else. But I'm not looking either way. Remember in Daniel, the um, three Hebrew boys, we could die in that fire, but we're still going to trust in God. Okay, we know he can deliver us, but he may choose not to. So you may believe, you may have grown up knowing that God was going to do something in your life and you didn't see it happen. So you've said, well, I guess that was wrong or I guess it was me. Or maybe it hasn't come yet. How long did it take for God to develop Joseph into the man he needed to be? How long did it take for God to develop Moses into the man he needed to be? How long is it going to take for God to do that in your life? And how many stumbles and trips are going to happen, but then how many times, what kind of fireside are you going to have with God where he's going to say, I'm going to give you another opportunity because I believe in you. Will you minister on my behalf? So let's see. Troubled, we mentioned that. Joseph looks outside of his own frustration, although later on he does say, hey, look, don't forget me. It is God who interprets dreams, and there's no hesitation. We mentioned that, okay? God recognizes, uh, sorry, later on, what we don't see is Joseph recognizes God's presence and that he could be God's man. He stepped into his giftedness. There are times when God is doing things around us, in front of us, and we will step back instead of stepping into the opportunity for us to be used by God. That may be that what's happening around you, in front of you, is God giving you the opportunity to step into that and say, let me see if I can help you with that. Okay? It could be a simple thing. Could be helping change a tire. Could be anything. You just don't know that that connection may not be something that God wants to do supernaturally. Okay, and it's right there. It's right there. Um, instead of saying, "Oh no, I'm I'm waiting for it later on." Right, the guy with the you know the, the floods coming. God will provide. You know, and then the jeep. You know that story. I don't have to tell you. I use that story all the time. Okay, let's keep going. Right? Why are you laughing? I tell that story all the time. Or I can't get this. Okay, let's go to the next slide. So here we are. Chief Cupbearer tells his dream. I'm trying to see if I can get to mine so I can do the dream there. All right, exit next. 
Next, next. They're both dreamed. Okay, so the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream there was a vine before me. On the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened with grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Joseph immediately said to him, this is the interpretation. Three branches are three days. In three days Pharaoh will lift your head and restore it to your office and you shall place Pharaoh's cup, Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you're his cupbearer. Only remember me when it was well with you and, be, do, and please do me the kindness. Show me steadfast love, he says. Interesting. Same word as before. Where it is said of Joseph in chapter 39, 21, God, God was with Joseph and showed Joseph steadfast love. I would say maybe in one thing Joseph may have erred by saying, can you show me steadfast love to, to the cupbearer? Okay? Putting his trust in that man when really it is God who's going to show Joseph steadfast love. And we do that, right? We say, oh, could you help me out? I really... And, and God will use the cupbearer. It's just it's going to take a little while. So it is, there is a future fulfillment of that request. It's just not as quickly as Joseph would like. I mean, he's probably... Well, we'll see this later on. Uh, he's sitting around waiting for this fulfillment to happen. Just remember me, for I, indeed, I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here I also have done nothing wrong that they should put me into the pit. Okay? So God uses Joseph to reveal the future um, to the cupbearer. But God is the one who holds the future. Any future understanding that we have will always come from God. And we do have God's future interpretation to us in, in the minimum that he is working out his perfect plan, that he is working out redemption, and that we are his children, and that we will stand before him. We will be brought into his presence. We'll have glorified bodies. We will be redeemed because of Jesus. Amen. Yes, yes, of course. We, we're looking for something else. God, yes, but what about this or that? Uh, some of those things are details. But God's ultimate plan is for our restoration. When we, as a race, had turned aside from God, God now bringing us into relationship with him. I mentioned the steadfast love. Why doesn't God reveal Joseph's future? He already has. Let me take this risk and say to you, I really believe in some cases God has revealed his future for you. It's just that it's gotten clouded over with maybe current expectations, maybe things that you think need to be part of that. Instead of you stepping back and saying, God, I'm just going to trust you in this, even though I don't see all the pieces, I'm believing that you are going to fulfill your perfect plan. And I want to be part of that, God. And then when you say, whatever it takes, ouch, ouch, whatever it takes. Are, are you really saying that? Because if you're saying that, it may cost a pit. It may cost a challenge on your integrity. It may cost being forgotten in prison. Are you really willing to trust me? Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? Because I'm going to work out my plan, and I want you to be part of it but it's not necessarily going to be a straight plan, right? That's how we want it. I want it to be straight, right down the highway, but that's not the way it works. Cup bear, the cupbearer did not remember Joseph. But see, the Scripture, all throughout Genesis, God remembered his promise. God remembered Noah when he was in the ark. Aren't you glad? God remembered. He put the bow in the sky, and he said, so when it rains, how many times have we had hurricanes or big storms 
And why didn't that storm continue and drench us and soak the earth? Because the bow's in the sky. God said, when I see the sign, I'll remember my promise. When, G when God looks at that cross in the back, and then he looks at us, he says, I'm going to remember my promise to you, to each one of you. That should give you ultimate comfort and satisfaction today like nothing else, that God is the one who remembers. The cupbearer, men will not remember. Okay, Your boss makes a promise to you, and then they forget. Hey, you said, I thought, but God remembers. God remembers. He's not forgotten you. You're not hidden away. You're not in some isolated, oh, nobody knows that I'm here. God knows. Okay, He's, uh, he's paying attention to every little detail because he's forming in you, uh, working in you his perfect plan. Joseph doesn't see, but he's being formed for redemption. Joseph will be used in a mighty way for the redemption of his own people, that the promises made to Abraham that you will have a great seed are being fulfilled through Joseph. Those people will come to Israel, uh, will come to Egypt, and they will be prosperous, okay? And then God will deliver them so that he can introduce to them an impossible way to follow him because he ultimately wants to lead them to Jesus Christ who will die on their behalf and then reintroduce them to God in a miraculous way that only God could do, okay? Would it be nice if God just snapped his fingers and said, okay, I'm going to redeem you all, okay? But then we would have been out of the picture, right? We would have been omitted from that picture. So God raised up a Paul to go to the Gentiles when the Jews rejected the message that was apparently given to them, demonstrated, told to them, and they missed it because God was planning something for us. Isn't that great? What else is he planning? And how is he going to use my life and your life to accomplish his plan. That's what's exciting about this. Let's go one. Next one. Now the baker. Hey, that sounded like a good interpretation, Joseph, for the cupbearer. I want to get in on that, right? Oh, well, let's, guess what? It's not going to be so good for you. Um, the chief baker saw the interpretation was favorable. Hey, he said to Joseph, well, hey, let's talk about my dream. I had a dream. And there were three cake baskets on my head. And the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating out of the basket on my head. What are birds in Scripture? Birds are bad, okay? Birds are not good, okay? Birds are still bad, right? Birds, stinky, dirty, right? Right? We love birds. But uh, birds can be bad. They poop all over the place and stuff like that. Birds in Scripture are not, I, I can't think of an interpretation where birds are good. Uh, when the, um, when uh, the word is like a mustard seed that grows into a big tree and the birds are in it, okay, kind of overgrown. Uh, birds are not a good thing. When the birds, when the seed, uh, sorry, the seed in Matthew 13, the seed is scattered on the path and the birds come and eat it up, that's bad, right? Bad, okay? So birds are bad. If you have birds eating out of your basket, that's usually a bad thing, okay? He doesn't know it, but he's going to find out. Okay, here's the interpretation, buddy. This is it. In three days, Pharaoh will lift your head also, but from you, and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Have a nice day. <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it? Okay. Um, now, interesting, because the cupbearer's hand to Pharaoh's hand, so there's some evidence of, um, uh, you know, the interpretation, because he's directed back into Pharaoh, where uh, the absence of Pharaoh uh, and his relationship to him is, is uh, in the baker's dream. So birds are bad. Joseph's courage. This is very hard. It's not always easy to tell people the truth, right? To be honest with people. 
Uh, but Joseph is going to need some of this later on. Pharaoh is not present in a dream like the others. So there's obviously a change of role there. Why would God want Joseph to deliver this honest but difficult news? Because ultimately, Joseph is going to be in a role where he has to make critical, life-saving decisions on behalf of millions of people in Egypt. And he's not going to be able to just say, hey, look, I'm going to be nice to everybody because people will die, okay? And he has to store stuff away. He, he receives an incredible responsibility. Uh, and sometimes with great responsibility, you have to be honest with people and say, you know, this is just not going to work out, okay? Uh, I remember coming into my role, and when I came into my role, um, suddenly I became leader, and I had two people been there for quite a long time, and I had to help both of them to find out that they had, uh, that there was more opportunity for them in other, uh, other schools. Um, in other words, I had to make sure that they saw the door on their way out. It didn't hit them on the way out. And it wasn't easy. With one of them, one of them came to that realization on their own. The other one had to have some help with that. But um, that's not always an easy thing, right? It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, you, you can read a lot of business books about this. And, uh, you know, if people are not going to be on the same page, there are some people who quit and stay. Some people quit and leave, and some people quit and stay. I had two people who quit and stayed. One of them figured it out, and we were able to help him make a transition. The other one didn't figure it out, and we had to help them uh, in the transition. But it's not always easy. But since then, we flourished. So sometimes you have to, those things have to happen. It's unfortunate. Um, this isn't going to be recorded, right? Um, <laughs> just kidding. Okay. So what else have we got here? Uh, God's gifts are to us are to be used when he calls upon us, okay? Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Sometimes when you step out into your giftedness, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, and you may get called out. You may get called out. Uh, but are you going to be faithful to what God has spoken to your heart? That's all. And that's what Joseph does. And um, we're grateful for that. But again, it frames his view of who God is. So let me finish. Okay. So uh, is Joseph a false prophet? No, because on the third day when it was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast. This is a drinking party, by the way. He said, hey, we're going to have a party. Uh, and he invited all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in his hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted. Verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Again, this is not about Joseph, right? This is about God, okay? So everything went back into place, and God, well, God, when you told that person, and they said they were going to help you, and they never called back, or they never sent you an email, or it didn't work out, who were you mad at? You were mad at them, right? You wouldn't be mad at God because, oh, I can't be mad at God, right? But what is your view of God's sovereignty? Okay? So here it says, Interpretations are validated. Um, Cupbearer's forgetfulness, okay? Uh, no steadfast love. It is God who shows steadfast love. It is God alone who does that. He may use men or women in your life to do that, but ultimately it's God showing kindness. He showed steadfast love to Joseph again earlier. He'll show it to him again. It's just going to take some time for him to do that, all right? Um, and all these things, Joseph, this is great. Um, Job, when you read Job's story, another, you know, kind of a type of Joseph uh, where Joseph did not sin or charge God with wrong. In all of this, he maintained his integrity. 
as difficult as it was. You can only imagine, again, any of us would do this. Cupbearer, back, probably, Joseph probably hears it in prison. Hey, that's great, that's great. I wonder, you know, waiting in the prison, waiting, waiting, waiting. Still waiting, right? But it'll happen because God wrote chapter 41. And we know that there's a deliverance and there's an end for Joseph. God has written your chapter 41. Let's, let me see what else we've got here. Okay, let's go to the last page. Okay. So what have we learned? God sees what's happening in your secret place. He sees the difficulties that you're facing. Okay? Okay? He remembered his people, Exodus chapter 3. I remembered my people. I heard their cry. Okay? And I care for them. God cares for you. He really loves you. He demonstrated that on that cross, right? He hasn't forgotten. He's just working out his perfect plan. He's intentionally working on us. Ephesians, uh, God, is that, uh, let's see. This is, uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has ordained ahead for us to do. Um, he's working out his perfect plan. He who began a good work in you, Philippians 1, 6, will carry it on to completion, okay? Um, God is at work in you, Philippians chapter 2, at work in you, both to will and to do according to your good purpose. No, according to his good purpose. Ah, we've got to depend on him. God's plans for us are good. You know this one. You have this hanging on your wall, right, in your office. Okay, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, to give you a future and a hope, right? I know the plans I have for you. What do you, what do you think about Joseph? Can you trust in God? Now, look, we finished with these two verses, really great. They're a little small, hard to see, okay? But this is what we need to focus our attention on here. But our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Okay? That is, that is the challenge of our Christian life, is to look at what is not seen. That's where we need to put our eyes, which means we need to look past everything around us. And the more that we do that, you know, like the old song, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim, right? Okay, and then this last one from Habakkuk. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Oh, God, help us to wait. Help us to wait. I don't know how you want to close. Nick, team, we want to pray. Just pray us out. Uh, let's stand. I've not told you anything that you didn't know. Okay? This is all the stuff that we know. But what's critical, what's important, is how you view God. Not how Joseph responded, because we have a record of how Joseph responded. It's really about how am I going to respond when I can't see the end. I can't see chapter 41. How am I going to respond? God, help me. Please help me. I want to respond. Uh, like Joseph. I want to maintain my integrity. I want to maintain my trust. I want people to see God's steadfast love. I want people to see that God is with me. That's what I want. Okay? Will I fall short? Come sit by the campfire. Let's talk. I love that scene. That's one of my... That's one of my favorites. Because I am... I am Peter. Peter. 
I failed him, but he still uses me, and I'm grateful for that. Let's pray. God, you are so great. You are so great. If God is alive, I am with him. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. You are carrying out your perfect plan. Your plans are good. They are right. They are focused on redemption. The vision is far off. It's hard to wait. We want to see it today. We, like Joseph, have fallen into the pit. We found ourselves in difficult places. Help us to see, like Joseph saw, your steadfast love working in us your presence, to be able to step out when called upon to interpret dreams, when called upon to serve others, even though we've been unrightly accused and wrongly put in prison to serve others. God, because we see you high and lifted up. We see that vision. We know that you are working your perfect. Oh, I want to be part of it. Let me be part of it. I know when I say that. And if I say I'll do whatever you ask, I know that's going to cost me. But I'm willing to say it publicly and I'm willing to lay down my life because that's what you did for us, Jesus. And when God looks at the cross, he remembers us. He doesn't forget us. He remembers his promise. You are great. You are so great, oh God. We worship you and we praise you. Please be glorified in our lives today. Pastor Nick. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. Thank you.